Welcome to the Today is the Day podcast, where we take a deep dive into popular health topics and empower you to make informed, evidence-based decisions. We offer practical tools and strategies so you can easily integrate what you learn into your everyday habits. And today is the day we're talking about how to support a child's healthy relationship with food and get kids engaged in the kitchen. This is perhaps one of the most vital physical and mental health habits we can nourish and nurture. We'll be covering why engaging children in the kitchen is so vital, how to establish an optimal relationship with food and food choices, creative ways to bring kids into the meal planning process, the best kitchen prep jobs to pass along to the little ones, and fun and delicious kitchen projects to take on with the family. Hi, everyone, and thank you so much once again for joining us for this fun and hopefully inspirational episode. I'm Megan Telpner, a nutritionist, two-time best-selling author, and founder of the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. Joining me as always is the person I like to spend time in the kitchen with, along with our son, Josh Catalis. Hi, everyone. I'm a clinical nutritionist and functional medicine practitioner with a clinic in downtown Toronto. I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Certification Program and an instructor with the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. If you've been a devoted Today's the Day podcast fan, you'll remember that in our first season, we did an episode on how to raise adventurous eaters. In this episode, we talked about varying the palate and being firm with one meal for all. It was really about how to introduce different flavors and textures to the really little ones. In this episode, we're taking it a step further and addressing how we can build our children's kitchen literacy from a young age and why this is so important. Now, if you don't have a young one in your life, maybe it's time to share this episode with the people who do, who you know would benefit from what we're about to share. Many of us have been spending quite a bit of time at home over the last year, and a lot of time that we've spent at home has actually been in the kitchen. We love to do little projects there, and some of our favorite moments are with our son in the kitchen, and of course with you, Megan. Oh, well, thank you, Josh. Glad I can be there. (laughs) Although usually we're swapping roles in the kitchen. Well, the other one's hiding for a moment of peace. It's so sweet that even at almost four years old, our little man knows where we put food away. He knows where to find the things he likes. He's just discovered he can open the fridge, pull out the fruit drawer, grab an apple. He brings his tower over, washes it, puts the sticker on his chest, and bites into his apple. It's nice to see him growing independence in the kitchen. He also knows what jobs are his when we're preparing certain meals. So let's dive into the goods of this episode and hopefully inspire others to bring the kids in. And what's really cool is it also kind of helps lighten our own load when they can be part of it. Or maybe they create more messes, but you know, it's all part of the process. Well, where do we learn how to eat? I think basically we learn from where we learn everything else from our parents, right? From modeling, from watching, from being with them. If we look at animals in the wild, you know, the mothers of various mammals, I think mostly, or even the fathers sometimes are showing the young how to hunt, how to find the food, how to trap it, how to chase it. We've all seen those fun little videos where the kids are stumbling on their feet. But but also, I was going to say the food that they should be eating and shouldn't be eating is exactly. also modeled. Yeah. We were just watching a documentary about an elephant. What was it called? Nadali? It was called Nalady. Nalady. But an elephant that got really sick. It's a beautiful documentary. I don't think it's child-friendly necessarily, unless they're ready to see what's happening to the elephants in Africa. But this elephant got really sick from eating the wrong kinds of plants. 
older elephants could eat them, the little one couldn't. Anyway, it was really sweet. It was. So our kids are going to learn how to eat from us. They're going to model from us and they're going to pick up cues and learn from what we're doing in the kitchen, what we're doing on a daily basis, what we're bringing home, what we're shopping for. So really, the lowest common denominator for the nutrition in the family is the parents or the guardian or caretaker. The caregivers need to have their eating habits and eating patterns in the kitchen in order if you want your kids or the children you're caring for to also develop those healthy habits. We have a good friend who is actually not eating so well for a very long time. And you're looking at me. I have no idea who you're talking about. Yeah, that doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. But at some point he decided, well, actually the point where his wife was pregnant and they were going to have a kid, that's when he decided he was going to make some massive changes and not compromise because he knew that if he wanted his kid to actually eat well, he had to eat well first. Right, right. So establishing optimal heating habits today is optimal. Yesterday is even better, but we're going to start where we are. And one of the key things when we're dealing with children, as with ourselves, is to have a range of choice within reason. So we know that we get overwhelmed by choice. If we have 10 things to choose from, you kind of get paralyzed by the decision. But if you have two things to choose from or two to three things that are all what we would consider optimal choices and you let the child decide, you're going to have a better success. So if you have your main course and you have a couple side vegetable dishes, you can say to the child, which vegetables would you like to eat this evening? And that's the range. It doesn't go beyond that. It doesn't go, but I want the na 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 na. It's like these are the choices. And as long as you stay committed to that, they'll start to make a choice within that selection in most cases. Also, the beautiful thing about getting them in the kitchen is that when they're involved, they're more apt to make good choices and yes. to want to make a choice in the first place. Yeah. So getting them involved in the prep, the planning, the choices. So we often will say to our son, what do you want for dinner? And he'll tell us gobbledygook. But we're starting the process. He's still just three and a half. We're starting that process. But getting them involved in the prep, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, is going to be one of the most effective ways to actually get them to eat it. And what I find interesting is that our son will eat a lot of things while we're prepping that he might not necessarily eat if it's actually put on his plate. Like he'll eat anything off a spatula, but as soon as it's like put in a bowl, he gets a little more resistant or selective. I've got another example on that note as well. We uh, do juicing a couple times a week. (laughs) Yes. And one of his favorite things to do is to collect the pulp that's coming out of the juicer in his hand and just gobble that up by the handful. He's basically eating mouthfuls of carrot and kale fiber. With all the juice and good stuff squeezed out of it. You know, you put that in front of him, there's no way he would eat it, but he likes it that way. So it's kind of funny. The next thing you want to focus on is the education. So I know you're listening to this because you are working to continuously grow and raise your set point and eat better. And you're doing that by learning not just the how, but really the why. And I think that often we underestimate our children's ability to understand that why. And so as early on and within context of their age and their ability to understand offering the explanations of why you make certain choices in your home and out of the home and at the grocery store and why why you don't purchase or consume certain things done in a positive and education-based way, not in a fear-based way, 
can be incredibly powerful. So they're not just being told, this is what we do. It's This is what we're choosing to do. And this is why we're doing it. And an understanding will start to develop and unfold. And they can then make their own best responsible decisions around what they eat as they grow older and they're at friends' houses and birthday parties based on the knowledge that they have, not because they think it's a, a right or wrong issue. I have an example that just happened actually, Megan. Tell me about it, Josh. I think that kids have a tremendous ability to look at a situation retrospectively and be able to analyze it from a pretty non-attached state of mind. Tell me about this. Yeah. So this morning, our son got breakfast a little bit late. The morning kind of dragged on and he was sort of getting a bit what people call hangry. Yes. The old blood sugar crash in the morning. Exactly. We were trying to get some food into him and he was being a little cranky. Eventually, we got the breakfast ready. He ate the breakfast. He did it within about three to five minutes because he was so hungry. And then I said to him after, did you notice that you're more cranky when you're really hungry? And he agreed and was able to reflect on that and understand that when he's really hungry, he gets cranky and cries a lot easier. And even said, yeah, I cried a lot easier and laughed about it. Yeah. So this is how we can bring awareness to our kids. It's sometimes difficult to do in the moment when they're really emotionally charged and maybe crying. You just kind of focus on the task. But afterwards, we could discuss these situations with them because building a healthy relationship with our food early on is so important for for lifelong health, really. And what's really critical, especially dealing with older kids and the mental health component is again, not making this fear-based education. It's not about calorie counts and fat grams and all of that because we know that's a recipe for a disordered relationship with food. We're looking for an optimal, healthy relationship with food. And I think if we start to explain from day one that you know food is fuel for the body and the quality of the food that we put in our body dictates and can have a massive impact on how we live, how our brains work, how our bodies move and function, our mood, as Josh just gave a great example that we were able to tune in to our young child with. What you have to be super mindful of is the idea of perpetuating like, this is good food, this is bad food, this is healthy, this is unhealthy. Because you don't want to be creating a stigma around decision-making and you don't want to be creating any kind of avenue for like rebellion against what is really for their best interest. They're, They're obviously, you know, you can't control children as they grow older and their minds develop and they start to have their own ideas and they may want to rebel, but having that solid foundation never goes away. And so you have to be mindful about your attitude around healthy and unhealthy food, that it doesn't become obsessive, that there is lots of wiggle room within reason but that you are firm in understanding the whys behind the choices and you make decisions based on the why and that it's not about the calorie counts and looking at those nutrition panels, which if you listen to our episode on Fooled by the Label, we know are pretty useless when it comes to determining whether food is a good choice for a person or a non-optimal choice for a person. I've worked with a lot of clients who have eating disorders or who had disordered eating in their past. And it becomes a bit of a challenge because we're trying to achieve a certain health goal, but also have to look at the diet as a source of some of their issues. So it's very individualized. There's not like one answer I can give for everyone. But when we establish healthy eating habits early on, hopefully the goal here is to not move into a place of disease or disorder over a lifetime so that we then have to restrict 
Right. So this is, you know, again, another way of getting as far upstream as possible. Mm -hmm. So one of the best ways, as we talked about, was to really get your kids, your children, the little ones you care for, the little people in your life, is get them involved in the process. And knowing first and foremost that food does not necessarily come from the grocery store, but that it comes from the ground and farms is a great first step. And something that I highly encourage all parents to start doing or caregivers or teachers is to start with sprouts. So it's one of the easiest kitchen projects. And we have a full guide you can get. If you go to culinarynutrition.com forward slash podcast and click on this episode, there's a link to our sprouting guide that's available at no cost. But getting some sprouts growing in your kitchen, whether you're doing it the jar method or the soil method or a, a hemp terra pad type method, but showing a child that food comes from this seed and you plant it and you water it and you care for it. And that grows into something that you can eat that is also highly nutritious. It's one of the most nutrient-dense foods you can eat is a really powerful way to get them to start understanding the food process and valuing the food. And so whether this is sprouts or microgreens or even a little herb garden in your window, or if you have the space or an outdoor space to grow some food, you don't have to rely on that to feed your whole family, but planting a tomato plant or a pepper plant or even just some lettuce and your child takes on the responsibility of watering it and caring for it or learning what happens when we don't take care of it is a really foundational, important lesson that I don't want to say sprouts a healthy relationship with food, but really does help a child value where food comes from and the process in growing it. We usually have broccoli sprouts going on in our home quite often because they're so powerful. Yeah. You know, speaking of the power you just mentioned, they're 30 times more potent in a lot of those phytonutrients than fully grown broccoli. And as those seeds grow, those nutrients actually decrease a little bit. The seed has the most but our son loves to rinse those, right? So yeah. we have to rinse them twice a day and he gets involved in the process and just really enjoys it. Seeing the seeds kind of like move in the water and you know, yes. cleaning and taking part and seeing them grow over time as well. I've taken my indoor growing to a new level this past winter, growing lettuces and herbs and all kinds of microgreens. And it's become a special trip because my growing is happening at my office where after dinner one night a week, my son and I will get in the car and we drive there and he waters them and we cut them and he'll snack on them. And it's sort of become this special outing that we do together. Josh, you're thankfully the one who takes on most of the grocery shopping in our house. And it's become a special little trip you take once a week. I do. I really enjoy it. So we're following kind of the story of food. Yeah. Know? We went from growing now to shopping. I love when he accompanies me on the shopping excursion. He, I think, enjoys the process. He gets to have a little ride in the cart. And he helps me choose the food and we talk about the food and we look at the food and we discuss, you know, how to choose the ripe ones and how to stay away from the non-ripe ones. And he's learning as he's being part of this whole process and seeing where the food comes from or the different places food can come from. We also have situations where he asks for certain things. This is more just recent. And sometimes, yeah, we can buy that item because it's healthy. It's on our list. It's something that we consume on a regular basis. And sometimes it's things that we just don't consume. Or that we make ourselves. Or that scratch. we make ourselves, right. So that also becomes a learning opportunity for our son where I can explain to him why we eat certain things and why we stay away from other things. And then he can understand 
first of all, what those products look like, but also why we shop a certain way. Yeah. And we avoid labeling foods as like, oh, we don't buy that. That's junk food or that's garbage or that's whatever. We're really just looking at this is the stuff we want to have and that's why. And of course, we are big fans of the farmer's market. And that's another way that our son gets to and all children can get to meet the people growing their food. And that creates another really important connection and just seeing food that isn't always, you know, packaged in the fluorescent lit grocery store. I know you're loving this episode, but we are going to take a brief pause so I can introduce you to another amazing culinary nutrition expert. Jenny Edenberg is a force in the health world and had already had prior integrative nutrition training. The Culinary Nutrition Expert program helped fill some gaps and support her goals to launch things at the next level in her business and in her life. Here is Jenny to tell you more. Hi, I'm Jenny Eden-Burke, and I'm a 2020 graduate of the Culinary Expert Nutrition Program. From learning how to make fire cider and healing elixirs to fermenting my very first cabbage, deciding to join the Academy of Culinary Nutrition was one of the best decisions I've ever made. And after longingly looking at the program for four years, I finally decided to jump in this past September. Here's what I loved. Megan and Josh are so passionate and knowledgeable and accessible, and I greatly valued their guidance and wisdom. I totally stepped out of my comfort zone in learning how to develop recipes, meal plan from scratch, research medical conditions, and see how the healing constituents of food can ameliorate so many things in our bodies and can help us become healing, resilient powerhouses. I also loved the cooking demonstrations, and I loved that I got to develop and run my own cooking workshop. I've loved the science and empirically-based focus of the program. It really helped me hone my critical thinking and research skills that I haven't even used since grad school. I also love the Academy's values. I love that there are resources and articles and videos and blogs that they curate to help students learn about all kinds of issues, including food insecurity, cultural appropriation, and recipe development, and food blogging. I devoured as much information and experience as I could in 14 weeks, and I loved every second. I'm proud to have received my certificate with honors. Best of all, I'm using all my newfound skills and knowledge into my latest signature one-on-one coaching program called Replenish. You can go to www.jennyedenburke.com slash get replenished to learn more. In case anyone is considering doing this program, all I have to say is do it. Today is the day. Learn more about Jenny and her offerings over on our blog at culinarynutrition.com forward slash podcast and click on this episode for links to all of her work. And if you are feeling inspired and perhaps want to dip your toe in and see what culinary nutrition is all about, then check out our free training. It's over at culinarynutrition.com forward slash free training. Over there, you'll find a super fun five-part training series where you'll make something wildly delicious from scratch. Do this mini training with your kids if you want. Again, it's all over at culinarynutrition.com forward slash free training. Now let's get back to today's episode. Putting groceries away is one of my least favorite things. I thought washing dishes is your least favorite. Well, we'll get to that. We have a <laughs> I don't love putting groceries away, but 
We do. And I I get a little bit obsessive over a really nice organized fridge. I go into the fridge every couple of days and have to reorganize it, which I think is a habit I might have picked up from my mom. We call it the tight ship that she keeps a very organized fridge, always often quite empty. So our son now, when he comes home from the store knows the next step is to put the groceries away. And so he can reach now to put the produce away. I'll put the produce away in the drawers. And we both really step back from micromanaging this process where, you know, if the fruit goes in the vegetable drawer, we can fix it later if we need to. But we let him do the jobs that are within his reach. And that also helps him to know what we ended up buying. So when we say, when he says, I want a snack, and we say, what would you like? He knows what he can ask for because he has an idea of what we have and what we typically have. He puts the eggs into the little egg tray. So there's a bunch of jobs that have become his. And as he grows older, there'll be more. But that helps him to know what we have, where it is, what it's called. And once again, empowers him to know what's on hand when he's hungry. When you say as he grows older, he'll know more. Are you saying that one day he's going to just make us all of our meals? I'm hoping. What's this investment for if it's not for him to be running our businesses? He's going to be hosting this podcast. He's going to be cooking dinner. We're just going to be kicking back at the beach. Piece by piece. Well, that brings us to our next point, and that's prepping meals. Yes. So we had our son involved very early on, just doing really easy jobs. One of the best investments that we've ever made has been a tower. Yes, they call them a learning tower and you can usually find them. We got ours on Kijiji and we talked about this in the Raising Adventurous Eaters episode, but it's basically a platform that is safe. It's got like a rail around it so he can be at counter level with us taking on the jobs. And again, as children grow, they get to know what jobs they can do. And as they get older and older, you can give them more and more responsibility. So he'll be chopping mushrooms, tearing lettuce, cutting tofu and tempeh. He loves to scramble eggs. He mixes dough and flowers. So there's a whole bunch of jobs that he can be part of in the cooking process. Very early on, I think chopping mushrooms was one of the first jobs. And we had just kind of a sharpened piece of wood. It was like this. It's a kid's knife. Kid, yeah, it's a kid's, a kid's knife. knife exactly. But it, he can hold it with his whole hand. And as he's getting older and more experienced, we're using sharper and sharper knives. So we haven't really hit like the full on sharp knife, although you did do one demo with him the other day, right? Supervised. Yeah. But then we used like a butter knife, which was like fully metal. Uh, and he's getting a lot better with yeah. it. Yeah. Kids can handle knives. I just in that moment was not prepared to stand beside him the entire time I needed to get onto other jobs. A really great tool to try is to color code recipes. So you can take a recipe and you basically just put big colored stickers to represent different measurements. And so these colored stickers will align with colored stickers you put on the bottom of measuring cups. So say a one cup is a red sticker, a red circle. A half cup is a blue circle. A quarter cup is a green circle. And then on the recipes, where there's a one cup needed, you draw a little red circle. Where there's a half cup, you draw a little blue circle. And you can start to equate the recipes with them so they can actually start to read them. If you want to, you know, really be the Pinterest parent or a caregiver on this, you could create visual recipes where you have a picture of, you know, the red circle of chopped carrot and you have a picture of chopped carrot. So you can really teach them how to start reading recipes at a young age, even before they might be able to read. And this is, again, another way that really gives them a sense of independence, a sense of learning. They're learning math. Like there's so many levels to the development when you're having kids engaged in the cooking process. Admittedly, Megan, 
Yes. I've had to become a lot more comfortable with the mess. Yeah, that was interesting because I thought I'd be the one who was mess paranoid, but I think it's kind of you. And I'm always like, Josh, is there permanent damage being done anywhere? And if not, (laughs) just let him do it and let your child, like it's going to be a slower process. It's going to be a messier process, but that is part of the learning process. And now when you or I cook or bake by ourselves, it's like the fastest, most smooth process that we haven't experienced for a long time. Yes. One of the awesome benefits of getting our son involved has been his love for cleaning dishes. Yes. It's amazing. You know, sometimes after dinner, we just want to sit and digest. And have a conversation with each other. Exactly. And he goes and washes the dishes. He's done it for like a half an hour. Yeah. And yes, there's water everywhere. And yes, we have to basically rewash the dishes. But again, it's giving him that sense of ownership over something where he takes his plate, clears it to the counter and is part of it. And, you know, again, he's still young. I don't know if you could pass off dishwashing as a fun activity to your 14 year olds. But if you start them young, they know that that's part of the eating process. And it just becomes one of the jobs that gets delegated. And as they get older and older, the benefit is that you don't actually have to keep doing them over again. And everyone in the house becomes part of the process of eating. And that involves planning, shopping, prepping, and tidying up after. I think something important to address here that you just touched on is the phases in our life. So of course, you know, our son is three and a half years old at the time of this recording. He's very impressionable. We can, you know, get him involved. We can teach him these things. But obviously, you know, as they get older, it becomes a little bit more difficult. So if you're working with a teenager, this might be a bit more of a frustrating process. But we still can help get them involved in little ways. And if we're changing the structure of the kitchen and how things work in the house, we can say that. You could say, I feel like I'd like a little bit of help in the kitchen. So we're all going to take a part and do a little prep together today. And you can slowly move them in that direction if they're resistant to helping you. One of the objectives we do in the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program, 14-week certification program that is life-transforming, I might add, one of the first assignments is about planning out a week's worth of meals, which for many people who do our program, that's something they've always been doing. For some people, they're like, oh my gosh, this is overwhelming. But a part of that is creating a prep schedule. And so if you plan out your meals and you create a prep schedule, What you can then do when you have older children who are 10 and above, who basically can read and are fairly independent, is assign specific roles and tasks in that meal prepping process to different people in the household. So everyone has to do their part or the meal doesn't get made. It takes time on the part of the person organizing this to create and delegate it. But once you have four or five of these prep schedules done, those are basically rotational weeks of food. And you can grab a template for this if you click on this episode at culinarynutrition.com forward slash podcast. So don't think that even though your kids are older and they may be resistant to it, they're part of the household. It's the parent's job to make them an active part of the household and inspire that. And of course, the older they are when you get this started, the more challenging it can be. But every effort has benefit to it. You made a really amazing point, Megan. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) about having four or five kind of plans in rotation. Most of us eat the same thing every week, right? Like we have a- I'm so sick of what we eat every week. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Too much honesty. You're in Toronto. We're like eating sweet potatoes like every day and squashes in Uh, the middle of winter. We're recording this in March. (laughs) I I get sick of sweet potatoes by around October. Yes, Which is a problem. But 
But getting a good schedule of what we eat on a weekly basis doesn't have to be so complicated. At first, it takes a little bit of planning. But once you have that rotation and you have your repertoire, everyone kind of knows their role. And this is a big thing that I teach to my clients. Those who don't know how to cook or don't know how to make vegetables or eat vegetables, it's like you need, I don't know, five to 10 dishes that you're really good at. And that's it. You're set for life, basically. You just need some certain techniques in place. So Megan. Yes, Joshua. What are some really fun projects that you've done with our son or that you recommend people try with their kids? I think I'd actually written extra super fun projects to do with your children. One of my favorites is sauerkraut because for us, this was one of the first foods we gave our child. He had just the sauerkraut juice, but don't give your kids like the thin slicing machine. The name has escaped me right now. (laughs) Machine. You do it by hand. That's how we lose fingers. That's That's how you lose fingers. No, but you can do the chopping unless your child's older. Do the chopping of the sauerkraut, but in order to make it, you have to do some massage and letting your kids get their hands in there, their little hands and crunch it up and smush it around. If using purple, their hands get to turn purple. So that's a really fun project. Plus you let it ferment. And so every day you can have a check and your child can taste it and say, is it ready yet? Is it not ready yet? And then you have this really nourishing microbiome superfood. And we have our episode on the microbiome. You can check out if you haven't ready to go. And this makes a great condiment. Another project I love doing with Finley is making bread and baking. So he likes to take on the dumping of the flour, the sifting of the flour, the mushing of the dough. There's so many aspects to it. And then the bread in the end, the sourdough bread. And again, we have a link for you if you want to take this on, is something he eats on the regular. That's basically the only bread he ever consumes. So baking, and you can also bake treats, cookies, muffins, those things that feel extra special. And that can be a nice moment you share with your child. Lately, our son's been helping me with granola bars. Mm -hmm. So we've been making these oat bars with all this amazing stuff in it. I actually sprout and dehydrate pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, almonds. So we have those ready to go. And he helps me dump all these things in the bowl. We stir it up. We mix the wet ingredients in. We push it down into the mold and throw that in the oven. And he really loves that. And he gets to try a lot of this stuff as we're making it as well. Yeah, that's become an after-school activity and an after-school snack. We also make jello together. Yeah. And this is not like store-bought jello. This is just made from scratch with gelatin and juice and some other superfoods. And that's really simple to do. And he really has fun with that too because it kind of turns into a jelly and dissolves and he sees that all happen in the bowl. Once your kids are a bit older and can take on stuff on their own, creating their own salad dressings is a little bit of like, I think of the the Swedish chef and the Muppets, like schmerdy deer deer where you're like making potions. So, you know, within reason, give them the salad dressing ingredients where they can, you know, add a little bit of this and a little bit of that and taste it as they go so they can really get creative. Same goes with smoothies. If you have all your smoothie ingredients in one place and maybe you've got some frozen fruit and frozen greens and you let them combine them to make their own blends, you might have to choke down a few you wish you didn't have to consume, but it's a really nice way to let them start to control the color and flavor of their food and have some of ownership over something that they can make and contribute and share with others. Homemade pizzas is a great one because you can add the toppings that you want. Yep. yep. And arranging fruit platters, fruit and veggie platters, making sure there's lots of colors giving them the chance to kind of make a cool design. That's what I was going to say. The happy face, the whatever it might be. So they can cut up the fruit and vegetables. Well, wash it, peel it if need be, cut them up, arrange them, and then be able to present that as like the appetizer for the family or the dessert. So there's so many simple ways to get your kids 
cooking. And it can be such a profound and important way to really have them engaged, involved, excited about the process of nourishing themselves from a young age. It should really be part of the education system. You know, we teach yes. them math, we teach them English, we teach them how to read, we teach them all these life-ish skills. Life-ish. <laughs> but really the stuff that matters, I mean, like you have to know how to eat to be healthy and live a fruitful life. Live a healthy life. Fruitful. Live a vegful life. A vegful not, life. Not vengeful, vegful. It can be hard for your kids to hear it from you, right? We know this. So one option could be to start to take some classes with your kids, you know, with a lot of kids at home more than often, a lot of homeschooling happening more than often. Taking an online cooking class that is kid-friendly can be a really great option as well. We have a course called Everyday Culinary Nutrition. And when we first ran it, we had someone email us saying, can our nine-year-old daughter take? And we're like, absolutely. And seeing her take on every cooking project in this course and the mom, it was so cute. They were sending us photos and testimonials. Like they were all so excited that their nine-year-old was able to make the family dinner. So sometimes hearing it from someone else and or me, it can be a much easier way to get the information across where they get to watch entertaining videos, take it on themselves in the kitchen and really feel independent, focused and empowered, which I think is what we all want our children to feel from day one through to, you know, their whole life. Yeah, Megan, you always show me the odd video of someone doing a cooking class with their kids, you know, that they've posted. And I just love to see those. Yeah. You know what? Recently, I've actually had two more species watch my program. So recently I had a hamster watching my program and I saw that posted and a dog. Yeah. So so if dogs and hamsters can do it, your kids can do it too. I don't think the hamster was getting in the kitchen after to <laughs> spin some kale though. <laughs> we want to thank you so much once again. And as always for joining us, we have more resources and some really, really great inspiration for getting your children, no matter their age, part of the action in the kitchen. Head over to culinarynutrition.com forward slash podcast and click on this episode to get access to all of the additional information. I mentioned the Everyday Culinary Nutrition course. This is a paid course. If you want to check that out, it's at culinarynutrition.com slash culinary. And if you want to learn more about a free training, a great place to get started with your kids could be taking this course together. It's our free mini training, activity-based, and we provide five daily modules, one a day for five days, where you'll bake up an amazingly delicious, allergen-free, from-scratch banana chocolate muffin with frosting. Head over to culinarynutrition.com forward slash free training, and you can get instant access to the first module and get started today. Knowledge is important, but applying it is where the power is. As I always say, the best way to get started is to get started. Take what you've learned and start applying it in your life. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and share it with your friends. We look forward to connecting with you again next time. Have a great day.